hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That was SOS to kick off this morning's praise, prayer, decree, and declare, where we start our Yam Yah's way because it is the best way to clear the air, to clear our heads, to clear our minds, to get the adversary off our back, and to put Yeshua in our heart. Hallelujah. This is Scribe. I am glad to be here. I am glad you are here with me. And I am going to ask Yami if she would be willing to come in and pray away any possible interference that that old slew foot may try to set up to cause us to stumble. And if she could be a Barukata in that way, that would be fantastic. Pretty clear the line, pray it in. And if she wants to throw out her uh, couple of her 33 I Ams, her 40 Powerful Prayers, her 77 Thankful Things, she can do that right off the bat, too. Hallelujah. Yummy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There she is. So what a great day to to begin and a great time to have to give honor and give ourselves over to the Most High Elohim for this is the day he has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. With a heart of thanksgiving, we choose this day to bless you, O Yah. For you are our source, and you bring us joy and peace, and you um, take care of everything concerning us. So how can we go through one um, one day without being certain we um, maintain are maintaining our relationship with you? And, Father, let us be like David. Let us be um, available for whatever you job you have for us. For, Father, in the 16th chapter of Samuel, we learned about David being... Um, playing his harp and being a shepherd and David um, being able to soothe the king when because Saul, the king, had went astray and was not keeping and maintaining relationship with Yah. So he was, was, so he became tortured by an evil spirit and when and you um let david uh chase that evil spirit away with his harp and with i'm sure his praise songs and, and music that he played onto you because of the gift that you gave him. So then 
we see him as the shepherd and as a man who um who could hear what Yah had for him to do and do it. And so in 17, we move into looking at a um, another side of Saul. I mean, of uh, another side of David. And that is David was the only one out of Israel that said and chose to go in battle against Goliath. And who is Goliath? We read in chapter 17, 4, and a champion came from the armies of the Philistines. Goliath was his name. From Garth, his height was six cubes and a span, and a bronze helmet was on his head, and he was clothed with scaled body armor, and the weight of the armor was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and the covering of bronze was on his legs, and a javelin of bronze between his shoulders, and the wood of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and um, blade of his spear weighed 600 shackles of iron and the shield. Yes. Yeah, are you getting into your teaching or are you still praying clear the line? No, I am. Before prayer, but I'm also going to make a prayer point and continue to pray. Okay. So I'm ho- am I confusing people? Do I need to do this separately? Well, yeah, you're you're going a bit long and praying in praying clear the line and um, you know, because the your first section from six forty to six forty seven um, was supposed to be to pray in the line, pray clear the line, pray down a hedge of protection against. Yeah, against the adversary, so that nothing weird or okay. strange unhap- happens on the line. Okay, so we will just um, hold this story, the story of David and Goliath, and we will thank Yah that um, He is in charge, and we've submitted to Him, and He will direct us, and we shall. Um, learn what we need to learn today and get the directions we need to go and become doers of his plan just for today. Thank you, Father, for anointing um, those who speak and let thy will be done. Amen. Uh, All right. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sorry for that. Just trying to keep things uh, kind of set on track so that. Amen. Yeah, so I was that, just um, 
going to try to do the the whole thing at once. I didn't, you know, incorporate it. But that now I understand. <laughs> so I'll remember that. Yeah, willing, and he's always willing and able. All right, awesome. So we. Sorry, yeah, I mean I muted you. I was, get, I was uh, getting to my opening statement. Um, hallelujah. I'm just grateful this morning that we have the opportunity to get together as family, in spite of every, in spite of the challenges. Yeah, that we can. Join hand in hand and acknowledge you. I'm thankful for the opportunities for today. I'm thankful for the instructions the instructions that are coming. I'm thankful for the uh I'm thankful for the people that I get to meet today. And I'm thankful that Yah is moving me past myself and into the realm of others so that I can be a better hope to them. Abba Yah, in the name of Yeshua, I just pray that whatever happens today, you receive the glory, uh, the kavod, that you receive the esteem, Yah, that you are the one that's honored. Abba, you know what my needs are. You know what our needs are. You already know how you're going to meet them. And yeah, we just, I just come against anything that would stand in your way in the city, in this region, in our government now, that it would be torn down, that any. Anything of an unclean spiritual nature, yeah, would be cast back into the would be cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be able to crawl out again. So that the adversary would once and for all know that he's beaten in the hearts of believers, that he has no has no authority. He is just that little speck of sand in the bottom of somebody's shoe. He's nothing more than that. Why we give him so much authority, we don't know. Maybe it is just because there's something in our heart that we don't want to give up yet. Ah, but yeah, we just ask for help giving it up. Hallelujah. In the name of Yeshua, in Yeshua, I am bold. I am courageous. I am undeniable. I am favored. I am successful. I am informed. Am I and I am loved and I am loving. And I know that the message that Yah has for me, that Yah has me to carry, cannot be defamed and defiled or degraded by anything the adversary adversary tries to throw at me. 
a hallelujah. With that, we're going to go to a music break. And when we come back, we will keep moving through the morning. Hallelujah. This is Don't Tread on Me. Hallelujah.
hallelujah, that was Don't Tread on Me. Starting to love that song. Starting to really get into that one. I'm going to have to get that downloaded on my phone as a as a ringtone or something like that. All right. We are going to bring Yami back again. Um, looking forward to hearing the end of that teaching. And Yami, you've got... Uh, it's now 6.59. You got about, well, you got some time. You got about 15 minutes. So, look forward to it. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Scribe. Um, it seems to me that as um, I uh, um, read in First Samuel, you know, we really are recognizing the, or I'm recognizing the character that um, needs to be developed in um, me and each of us so that we can um, fearlessly have, go through um, whatever exploit he has for us. And um, as we looked already at um at um, David as a shepherd, as small in statue, um, you know, he let us let us know not to look at somebody by their statue or um, appearance, but to let Yah look in their hearts and and agree with Yah about the qualities of the person. So David, it says, was able to do the harp and play the harp with skill beautifully. And um, it, it drew out the, um, the devils that were coming against Saul because Saul had now failed and and the demon was um, allowed to bother him. But when David would play the harp, he would be relieved. And I remember in my life going to, um, you know, places like Altumman Dodas to visit someone I knew, knowing they they needed a touch in prayer and um, and how... Yeah, um, would allow um, that person to have peace. And in other situations, I remember the prayer that he gave to me was, I bound in the name of Yeshua um, anything that was not coming from Yah from operating in my presence. And um, that would, would became a, a prayer that at times came to me, and sure enough, what would follow is I would be bringing peace to a troubled person. And people really like um, for me to um, be around them because I stood in in trusting Yah to keep those spirits 
sound and the, and not operable so that these people had peace for a while. And that was just something God gave me. And um, now we've seen that part in David. And then in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel and in 17 of 1 Samuel, um, we see a battle with the Philistines and there's presented Goliath. And it described, I already read to you the description and we can picture it, how um, how Goliath was um, a very scary person in appearance because of his size and the way he dressed. But David, we know, well, he was handsome because Yah makes all of us beautifully. But he was small in stature. And all these soldiers that looked in in Yah's army that looked at Goliath, they were afraid of him. And I think that appearance would be frightening to me too, to every one of us. Yet, David had already learned, you know, to trust the Messiah, to trust our our fearless Lord, um, warrior, because the battle does belong to Yah, and David knew that. David um, walked in confidence, though he was young and though he was small. He, um, the king went to give him armor, his armor, the great armor for this battle, because he's stood up and said he will will fight that fight. And he went to the river. I'm sure that he was got that direction from Yah, and he, he got five stones. And it was with those stones and his slingshot. <laughs> Picture this. He just hit him in the right spot, and David dropped, because there was really only one place that David could um, hit, and it, and that was in his head, and he hit the spot, and Goliath was dust. He fell, and um, Goliath was was very mouthy about um, David being just such a little guy, but yeah, I was very, um, very positive, very, David agreed that he could take Goliath. So it happened. And um, the battle did belong to Yah because David did the right thing. David stayed in tune with his Messiah. So this is something I pray for all of us to have, that confidence that no matter what size 
the problem we're going to face, that if we obey and use the tools Yah gives us and go to the river, if he says, and and pick up um, stones. I remember going to visit another um, young lady who was in the psych ward up at um, university. No, what's it? Yeah, University Hospital in Madison. And um, on my way going up there, of course, we're, as his people, we stay in touch with him. So we go up, or I'm headed up to her room, and I go past the gift shop. And I see this, um, you know how they have these little balls that, like, you have a, um, something inside like a tree and you shake it and then it looks like snow falling. Well, there was um, a, a beautiful yellow rose in um, in one of the, that kind of um, container and uh, it, I looked at it and I got, get this, for um for this young lady and I uh looked at the price and I'm pretty frugal and I didn't like the price but I um I admitted that to Yah and he said go ahead and buy it. <laughs> so I did and I took that up and when I gave that to this young lady, she started weeping and she said that's her very favorite color of rose and shared with me how significant that was to her. And she wept for a while and in those tears came peace and healing for her. So um, hallelujah. That was a weapon. My obedience of doing it, um, buying, purchasing that, and my having to, um, (laughs) you know, lay down my concern of how much money that cost, that, you know, (laughs) I had to give up my fear of I was going to use money that needed to go somewhere else to and and in my obedience it brought the winning of the battle for this um uh, young lady who needed to experience peace so hallelujah i pray that we each just know what Whatever thing, directions you give, I pray that we work through our own um, difficulty in obedience and obey and see the result because each time we submit and do the right move, there's a reward, there's um, a result that's that honors Yah and that brings peace, the peace that passes all understanding. 
Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for that. Yami. Is Marissa ready to come forward with her praise, prayers, decrees, and declares and her Ephesians 6 reading for the day? Sure. Just give me a moment. Trying to get these. Uh, yeah, we got you. We got you running from about okay. seven fifteen to seven thirty-two or something like that. Okay, I was just trying to put stuff on the bug bites. I'm I'm gonna open up my word, but uh, so yeah, so my my prayer for Yami is that she teaches in a way that we understand. So, hallelujah for the um. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in Yahweh, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but nurture them in the discipline and teaching of a master. Slaves, obey your masters according to flesh with reverence and trembling and singleness of your heart as the Messiah. With the eye service of hypocrites, but the slaves of the Messiah, doing the will of our master from the heart. Serving your slaves with good will to our master, and not as to men. Each one knowing that whatever good thing he does, this he shall receive from the master, whether he's a slave or a free man. The master do, do the same things toward them, forgiving their faults, knowing the master of you and of them is in heaven. There is no respect of persons with them. For us, my brothers, we may offer in our master and in the man's strength. Then all the armor of Yahweh, you to be able to stand. Stand against the strategies of the devil. For a conflict is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and with those in authority and with the possessors of this dark world. With the evil spirits that have made heaven, God of this, take up all the armor of Yahweh that you, uh, of Elohim that you may be able to resist the evil one. And being prepared, you shall prevail. Then stand firm, having girded your loins about with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Defend your feet with the preparation of the goodness of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, that's what you will be able to quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. Also, put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Ruach, which is the word of Yahweh. Throughout prayer and petition, praying all times in the Ruach and wishing to the same thing with perseverance and petition concerning all these saints. I also affirm you that to me may be given speech in the opening of my mouth, with boldness knowing the mystery of the good news. For which I am an ambassador in a chain, that in it I may be only as it for me to see. But they also may know the things about me, what I am doing. Take us, the beloved Father and faithful minister and our master, who make known all things to you. Whom I sent to you for the same thing, that you might know the things about us, and he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brothers in love with faith, <coughs> from Yahweh the Father and Master Yeshua Messiah. Grace be with all those that love our Master Yeshua Messiah without corruption. Amen. So we re- rejoice in you this morning, Yahweh, as we come against the enemy's um, lies and the doubts that we are able to push push through each um, strategy and each downfall that the enemy is going to put forth. And I pray that those 
assignments are canceled. And to create clear that issue is our forefront, that he's our way maker, he's our supplier. And to create clear that he, that issue is our helper, that he keeps us in a card with the Ruach Akadash, and that he makes our career paths straight us. We know that Yahweh knows our hearts and our minds. Anything that is happening with our thought process, and my brain is going through transformation. If anyone else that has any areas and moments in their day, and anything going on that the brain in Yahweh, I pray for your healing of us and for our brains to be all shoes. Mercy, you're breaking up. Okay. Because it's windy out and then the, I had some stuff on the plate and it's running all over the place. My um, oil. But anyways, I was... Can you hear me if I hold this one up here? Yeah, well, should be able to. Yep. Okay, if I stay in one spot because I'm in Wi-Fi. So if I... I can move over to this chair. I'm just uh I was wet this morning. So hallelujah. So praying for mental health. That Yahweh knows our circumstances where we stand with him and the enemy cannot touch our minds or our oh, wonderful. I'm gonna sit over here and start stripping dripping water. Anyways, Trying to get to where I can not get cut out. That's what Wi-Fi does. Okay. Um, so Yahweh is our helper. It's cold. He's our he's our supplier, and he knows our hearts and our minds where we stand with Yahweh. And I decree and declare that we are made whole in in Yahweh, and nothing can break us of the anointing always given to us. And it's kind of clear that we are made whole in Him. And I pray for those who are on the line that we are in God with Him. And it's kind of clear that we are in a good place. And it's kind of clear that Yahweh keeps us in the right direction. And that He knows our Hearts in our minds that line up, and I decree and declare that nothing can come against against me in my day today. You can declare that Yahweh's love is touching our family members and our loved ones. And you can declare that we are doers of the word. That Yahweh can give us the shachma to speak to others about his love and his word.
Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to, yeah, that's not going to be on the report. I'm sorry. It's All right. All right.
preempt Marissa because that wind was blowing pretty bad over that microphone. So we're going to uh, move into our 27 minutes of sacred meditation. So we will be back in 27 Oh 
Thank you. 
come to worship and magnify your name. I've come to worship and magnify your name. Yeshua, we just thank you for 
time alone with you where we can focus on hearing your word, where we can focus on hearing your heart. Abba, we thank you for drawing us back out into the call. And Abba, right now we just call Yami forward and ask her if she would pray over the reading, hearing, and obeying of the word as the wealth of wisdom portion comes forward. In the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you. You have a wealth of wisdom in an instruction book so that if we hear, read, hear, and become doers of that wisdom, your um, your nature and the way you would have us live life would happen and would be and um, your peace that you send would we would carry with us wherever we go and we would um, hallelujah be a light that draws people unto you and and so as we open this word we know it's your anointing that brings the yoke and that anointing you you um, pour upon your people. So now we're lifting up Scribe, who is the man of of today, right now, to um, to teach your word, to read your word aloud, and to give what the Ruach has for us today. Thank you, making for making him a vessel of honor. And that um, all things that you want for us, you provide and you want us to have right and good teachings. And thank you that you've given us scribes to do that. Now, um, give us an ear to hear what you have to say. And let what we hear reach our the soil of our hearts that you have prepared to receive it. And um, let all that you have intended for us to do happen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for that, Yami. We're back in Proverbs 16, looking at verses 18 through 20. We're going to take smaller bites of this and see how that works out. 16, 18, 19, and 20 read as follows. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. It's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who acts prudently finds good, and he to, and he who trusts in Yahweh, oh, how happy is he. Now, we know in cer- certain circumstances, most of us have experienced it in our own lives in one way or another, that the truth of verse 18, pride does go before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
if you start to get too confident, too full of yourself, and too uh, too arrogant, sooner or later that crack in the sidewalk is going to rise up and catch your throat. Something is going to happen. Again, this isn't Yahweh cursing anybody. This isn't, you know, um, there's anything dark or sinister in here. This is Yahweh's way of saying if anybody has a reason to be proud of what they did or who they are, it's him. He's the creator. He's Elohim. He is everything and everything is in him. If he isn't too, if he isn't so arrogant as not to send his son, so as to not send Yeshua, if he can humble himself and abase himself to come in human flesh and go through the suffering that he did and suppress the loftiness of who he is and compress it into a human form. If he can do that as a gift of redemption as a lesson against pride as an example if he can do that isn't he owed that doesn't he deserve that from his creation I don't exactly know how pride going before destruction works But a haughty spirit, the haughtier you, the haughtier you are, the more high-minded about yourself and arrogant and nose up in the air you are in your own situation. The more embarrassed you're going to be when you walk into that door jam. I mean, it's normally those really, really nice cars. that roll off the lot and three days later somehow they get dinged up. Pride is pride is an ugly thing. And whether it brings out and out eternal destruction or it just brings a consequence that is not comfortable yeah. maybe it's the readjusting of that pride that's the correction and we should appreciate it it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud in other words it is better to be 
of a contrite spirit or, or of a contrite heart to be satisfied or at least content with the station you're at than to work to achieve by, th by theft and graft that which is not yours. Now, some of those are my words, but let's face it, you got to be pretty bold. you got to be pretty prideful to think you can go in and snag somebody else's stuff and then divide it and utilize it like it's your own, like you didn't do anything wrong. Most of us can already see the commandment in here that says, do not steal, or thou shalt not steal, and don't covet. We can already see that. The humble of heart, the lowly of spirit, for the most part, if they are, I don't want to use the term a good person, but they're a decent person, if they are, if they haven't completely and totally rejected Torah, they're, you know, and they're displaying the behaviors of a decent person, they're not going to try to go out and lift something from somebody else. But a proud person will, if a person can't or doesn't believe they can handle any more, if they, if they are just of the persuasion or of the personality where they don't care about their neighbor, they will try to take. And they'll try to take in whatever way they can. That kind of theft, that kind of arrogance... Abba Yah doesn't want us doesn't want us associating with. And we should know by now in everything that we've gone through in up to this point that those attitudes and actions that would lean towards being able to divide the poor or divide the spoil with the proud is not beneficial. Verse 20. He who acts prudently finds good. And he who trusts in Yahweh, oh, how happy is he. Well, if that one doesn't put a smile on your face, it doesn't cause your heart to skip a beat a little bit, I don't know what's going to. He who acts prudently he who isn't rash in decision making or in opening his mouth to spew whatever it is that he wants, that you know, is natural to come out because we are directed by our words. He who acts prudently finds good. He who acts prudently is going to search out things that are going to benefit them for the long run. Honest gain, honest earning. Friendships that can be valued. Friendships with the wise. Those things that more than likely Yahweh is going to guide you to because it's those little steps. He who trusts in Yahweh. If you've trusted in Yahweh from little on, Yahweh is going to order your steps. We talked about that. Or he's going to fix your steps. He's going to fix your steps. 
He's going to make them sure. That's not saying you're walking with a club foot or something like that, though you could be. He who acts prudently shall find good. Because Yah is prudent. Yah can direct those seeking to be prudent because he knows the benefits of it. And wisdom lies with him and remains with him. And he is good. We recall Yeshua's voice responding to the rich young ruler who says, uh, good master. And you and Yeshua responds, who is good but Yahweh? If we are in the human form, we struggle to be good. Even Yeshua made that confession. But what did he do that most of us struggle with or have struggled with in the past? He trusted Yahweh. He trusted in his Father. And because his Father doesn't break a promise, that covenant was fulfilled. That that promise, that expected end, whether we're talking about his resurrection and ascension or whether we're talking about the outcome of a of a or the outcome of, of, of an event at a smaller level. Let's face it, yeah, we, we don't go from we, we don't go from birth to death in 15 minutes. Okay, there's there's time. There's individual sections in time that we go through that if we've trusted Yah here, it probably turned out this way. If we trusted him from this point, it probably turned out this way and this way and this way and this way and this way. So we've got a pattern. We have an Elohim that has established trust in us through his actions and we should be able to allow that to impact our emotions we should be able to take joy in that we should be able to take knowledge in that that this is going to continue because Habayah can't fail his word can't fail his word will not return void Abiyad does not want us does not want to see us perceiving this as drudgery. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy in the heart because we know him. And if we know him right, he will bring the rest of it along in his time. He definitely stands opposed to the statement in Malachi 3 8 
through 18, let me see if I can get there real quick to make my point. They're, they're asking, um, did we waste our time serving as mourners? Was that, uh, yeah, 3 to 13. He says, your words have been strong against me, says Yahweh. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is vanity to serve Elohim. What's the point? We're doing it in vain. No, you know, Yahweh does, he's done nothing for us. That's what they're accusing Yahweh of. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked as mourners before Yahweh of hosts? Yes, we're told to laugh with the, that we're told, we're told to mourn with the word, to weep with, with those that are weeping. But we're also told to laugh with those that are laughing. So what they're, why they're accusing why they're accusing Yahweh when it's their behavior that has brought them to this point. Yahweh doesn't want us to be mournful any more than is absolutely necessary. But where the problem comes in is, you know, actually the first two verses that we talked about are addressed in verse 15, Malachi 3. And now we're calling the arrogant Berachot. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, they also test Elohim and escape. Now let's go back and look at Proverbs 16 again. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now, while, while Solomon may have written this before Malachi, I think maybe Malachi might have had some sort of insight, maybe had a maybe have had a record or access to something I don't know. To be able to receive or at least comprehend what Solomon was talking about one way or the other. Maybe it was by the inspiration of the Ruach HaKodesh and Yahweh at that time. It's like, these are my principles. You're not going to pull the wool over Elohim's eyes. Every struggle that I'm about to have you write about in this book, I've already addressed all the way over here in this writing. I can't help it if Hasatan Godreel has tried to destroy it and sweep it under the rug and wipe it out of existence. Yeah, that's what he did. That's what he tried to do. But this is Elohim we're talking about. Everything he does is going to rise to the top. 
Verse 20, he who acts prudently shall find good. And he who trusts in Yahweh, oh, how happy is he. Hallelujah. Abba Yah, in the name of Yeshua, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your instruction. We thank you for your wisdom and your Torah and the truths therein. Abba, we just ask that you remove us and remove from us prideful thoughts a haughty spirit. Help us not think us better than our neighbors. Help us be, to be willing to learn and to maintain the instruction. And help us to be satisfied with just gain, with what we work for and what we earn. so that the spirit of covetousness and the spirit of theft can be far from us. Abba, help us to act prudently. Help us to be aware of the good and help us to understand the depth of these words as they, as they attach to our actions and our thoughts. Help us to receive from you first and ultimately, yeah, but also from the other information that can benefit us, that can be applied into your kingdom to help others as we go about helping ourselves. But help us first to encourage a trust in you, Abba Yah. Help us to first encourage a strong trust in you. Because we know that those that win souls is wise... And we also know that in you, there is great joy. In the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. And I mean. Working on getting something up there. Don't bail on me yet. Heard this one yesterday.
it will be just as pertinent saying it again as I said it last night because until a person actually actualizes these things and learns to live them out, then it's just a theory. And we really don't grasp the gravity of what we're really even theorizing. We don't realize it, its weight, its importance, its, its power in our lives until we actualize it by doing it. So we always, you know, can easily grab on to doers of the word and just, you know, doing it. And, you know, you got to be the do, you got to do the, be the be, you know, we say these things, but the actualization of it in a life is really much different. It's not that theory of do or that theory of be. It's the real solution really actually taking place. It's it's really happening. It's really something you're experiencing. You're seeing it work. And, you know, for many people, they maybe don't even really truly believe it will work deep down inside or that this power that we describe, that we explain. I know over years there's been a lot of people that have made the statement, oh, yeah, well, I know that's that works for you, Rock, but, you know, that's just because you're different. You're different than other people. And that's not a... That's not a false statement. That's an actual very accurate statement. I am very different. And what made me different was I grabbed that solution. I actually actualized it. I actually uh, made it real, not a theory. I made it a fact because I did it, done it. And until you yourself choose Kadesh Kitface Step 3, you got to choose His will. And you got to do His will. Until you make that decision that you're going to choose Him as your solution, you will always sit in the problems and there are many problems but there's only one solution you know realistically even in the AA program and the NA program you know they can give you the choice to pick and choose whatever higher power you want but at the end of the day all these other higher powers they all stole the principles from our kidfe. 
that's why I felt it so appropriate if we were going to go ahead and and get the word set out of there or holy out of there, right? And we were going to put in the right term, then we should go back to the original because there is only one kitve. There's a lot of Bibles. You you can think that a lot of Bibles are your solution and that it doesn't really matter which Bible you choose. But sure as I'm sitting here, I can guarantee you that all these people who call in that are seeking a better text, it's because they know that just any old Bible won't do. There's a lot of power that's lost. And we were warned by Louis Wassman back in the early 90s at the UPC ABC. That congregation that he led, he warned us that Bibles were going to become watered down. And in his eyes, the... King James was not watered down, that that was the only one that was righteous, that was right. They had the best. They were always, they had this narrative. They always had the best Hebrew scholars that went in to translate it, and that was the best. So we were sold that lie and told that lie for a long time. And I believed it. I was in a King James-only environment for 10 years. I mastered that book, just like I mastered the Narcotics Anonymous Basic Text, and I mastered the Alcoholics Anonymous Basic Text because I needed a system of how to change. And those books served me as an agent of change. Was it the complete solution? No. Because I believe when I got the conviction that the text was not accurate and I started really digging deep while in deep prayer, in the Ruach, I began to get more revelation than I had ever received in my entire walk. It was like a whole window of Shemaim opened up for me that Yah was just pouring into me so much, so fast, that it made my head spin. And when the whole unlearn Psalm 119 Ministries thing came out, that was a really good step. And then I found out as I was studying with the unlearned people that they unfortunately had a lot of twisted doctrine that they were believing. And I started looking at all of the different solutions that everybody had to the word and 
I always said, even when we had turned to Don Esposito in the first edition, second edition, third edition, and fourth edition of the Hebraic Roots Bible, or the HRB, I always said, this is what we're using right now until a better text comes around. And uh, the Kitve in its purest form is the solution. The Kitve in its purest form is Yahweh Yeshua and it expresses them in a very deep and very precise way. The accuracy and how it crisscrosses back and forth prophetically proving itself is an unmistakable formula of excellence. There is no other book ever written that does what it does. Nothing even comes close. Everything pales in comparison. There isn't one philosopher, there isn't one motivational speaker, there isn't any one person out there. Bill Wilson or Dr. Bob, no, nobody that's ever wrote a more clear understanding of human nature. And that's why it's the number one book of all time. It's number one. It's the top sales of ever. And it continues to be sought consistently every day. So if this book is going to be the one that we're going to turn to, then we want to have the most accurate version of it that we can possibly find. I mean, can we all agree that's pretty logical? That we should be looking for the best version? We shouldn't look for a version that has errors in it? We shouldn't want to read or desire to read one that is insufficient or one that is uh, loaded with mistakes or one that has a purposeful pagan undertone and overtone and everything else in it because Hasatan Gadrael wanted to corrupt this text and he sent translators in that would do it. He sent people in that would take the bait and be deceptive in bringing forth something that is supposed to be called truth. And we always have to ask ourselves, is a partial truth a partial lie, or is it a whole lie? Is a partial truth a partial lie? Or is it a whole lie? 
it's kind of like the person who sits and says, well, I only tell little white lies. I remember that being a big controversy many years ago in recovery of, you know, when you could tell a lie and when you couldn't tell a lie and how people would be so manipulative in trying to bring things forth. And I'm going to just tell you, it's a freeing thing to be brutally honest even at the expense sometimes of people's feelings getting hurt. Because if you sugarcoat, <clears throat> if you sugarcoat an ear tickle with people, especially people with personalities like Marissa's, they just don't get it. You know, and, I can say I was a stubborn person at one time in my life. I didn't have to get hit in the head with a two-by-four once. I had to get hit over the head with a two-by-four constantly until I was bloody and laying on the ground because I just did not want to accept certain things, certain ideals, certain concepts. And we see this with... Christians, as we start sharing them, a more Yisrael or Yashrael or, or Israel type perspective, when we start sharing these things, they want their brand of USA Christianity to be what it is. That, that this, this is, and, it, and it's almost like they want to make Yeshua into their Jesus. They want to make Yeshua into their USA Jesus, man-made God, a fake and a fraud. They want to make that be the reality. And for us that have received truth of Yahusha HaMashiach, the ancient was there in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. He was there in the beginning. The Bereshit, Yahusha, Bereshit are what it says. But there, Jesus was not there in the beginning. He didn't show up until 1769. The first King James edit, and it was edited a lot of times, but the first King James edit, shortly after it was released in 1611, they already had corrected in the first edit over 1,000 errors that they had found. It would be kind of like me rushing to complete and publish the Transform Recovery textbook just to get it out, only to have to edit it right away and say, oh, wow, there's a thousand errors in here. I really didn't mean this. I really didn't mean that. And, 
Oh man, I, I'm I'm so sorry that I led all you people astray. Oh yeah, now there's all these dead people. No, I have very humbly submitted and committed to you that until I get the green lights that this is really what Yah wants it to say, which means I've got to grow, I've got to dig, I've got to pray fast, stretch, to make sure that I'm delivering a document that is not like those translators did in 1611. But by 1769, they went as far as to actually take out the name Jesus, which Jesus, instead of Yeshua or Yahusha, was already an insult because by definition, Zeus is pig in Greek. And ye is earth. So ye's Zeus, earth pig, was already translated right in the first thing. Now, you have to ask yourself, do you think that those people were possessed to write that? Were they evil to twist? Even the very name of the Mashiach, which is the the only name under Shemaim whereby we are saved, they would go ahead and twist and take out the true name of our Mashiach, Yahusha. They'd take it out and put something else completely contrary doesn't have any correlation or connection whatsoever. It is not the way to translate Yahusha into Greek by far. It's not even close. Jesus, the Zeus of the Jesus, is pig. It comes from Greek. And in fact, the entire English language comes from Greek, it comes from Roman or Latin, it comes from German, and, and all of it comes with all this pagan connection to it. So even the very language itself is a bunch of twisted, evil, misguided, misrepresented misses. It just misses the mark. It is not the standard of excellence that we know that the word is to be by a long shot. So for us to defend these documents is sin. For us to stick with, well, I'm going to stick with my new living Bible because I really like it. I got confirmed with the American Standard Version, and that's what we use at my church, and that's it. I like it. Oh, you ain't going to take away my Bible. No way. That's mine. We got all these people that fell in love with religion, but they want to pass it off like they got this great love for truth. And the fact is, the solution for a liar is to stop lying 
and to start telling the truth. That's the solution. Every bit of denial that you have that you still lie to you about, like, I don't have a problem with food. I'm not a food addict. I'm I'm only 40 pounds overweight right now. You're a liar. You do got a problem with food. We talked about food addiction in depth last night. And when people feel uncomfortable about something, what they'll typically do is they'll laugh about it. So I've seen Marissa laugh quite a bit. to try to cover up the food addiction as we've been confronting different things. And, you know, when people are uncomfortable in a situation, sometimes they just start laughing because they don't know really how to process the emotion of the denial that we're in as human beings. So, Really, as sadly as it is, Marissa's response is a normal response, and it's something that a lot of us have done when we couldn't really face the reality. Because if we face the reality of how sad it is that Hasatan Gadrael has us so twisted up into gluttony, into the lust for food, the lust for feeling good. I'm going to feel good. Oh, this food makes me feel good. I know it because I have been in it myself and have battled with it for a long time. I mean, you're talking to a guy that was the extreme and now I'm in the moderation. So, let, let's just take a look at who I was when I got clean, how sick I still was when the drugs went away. Four packs of cigarettes a day, four pots of coffee a day, and when I went to anywhere to go out to eat, I was strongly pushing my friends to the buffet And when I'd get to that buffet, it was five overflowing plates at that buffet. And then I would go back for five more plates full of desserts overflowing off the page. So I would probably, in most buffet settings, walk away with about ten plates of food. Today, if I go to a buffet, if I can fill up a plate overflowing, which I really try not to even fill it that full anymore, because number one, it, it really sets a bad example. So the moderation that the scripture makes very clear that I'm supposed to be in has pricked me in the heart and convicted me that 
I don't need to eat that much. And I surely didn't need to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day, and I surely didn't need to drink four pots of coffee a day. This is really quite ridiculous. When all of you are listening to it, you're like, come on, Rock, you didn't really do that. All I can tell you is ask Scott Scribe Pratt. Ask him. He doesn't remember the four packs of cigarettes a day, but he remembers the four pots of coffee a day. And he remembers going to buffets with me all the time. In fact, he and his wife ran a country kitchen that had a buffet, and there was a point in time when I practically lived there. I met people for my business appointments there all day, and probably in those cases, when I was there all day, I probably polished down not 10 plates of food, but probably 20. I'm talking about a very sick food addict that was at his rock bottom reality immediately after all the drugs were gone. I needed a solution. And when you're not going somewhere or not fellowshipping with people or having leaders in your life that are stressing the importance of looking at gluttony and the lust for food, the lust for that high that comes with it, when you're with leaders that aren't talking about that, it's not going to change because they're not taking the portions of Kitve and actualizing those portions of truth for us to really digest, pun intended, the bread of life in its full form, in its purest form and its most clear message that is in it. So, if I look at all those people that were my leaders in Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous today, are every one of them obese, way beyond what I am? Yeah, extreme obesity. Scribe just asked about, you know, my sponsor, who is at LifeFest, who's a friend of mine on Facebook, he's been obese all his life. He was, he was heavy when I met him. Now he's so heavy, he's one of the guys driving around on a scooter. That, to me, is not funny. Because if he would have got the same pricks in the heart and convictions in the heart 
that I got over the years because he was really seeking what the kit they really had to say, not what they said around the NA tables, which is the direction that he went. They don't want to talk about food addiction in Narcotics Anonymous meeting. They don't. They say it's all addictions. They do use the terminology that it's all addictions, which was actually good because that opened me up to realizing it was a lot more than just drugs. Pretty much what I came to the conclusion of, anything that I chose to get focused on, I could become addicted to it very quick. If it would make me feel good, and I got good feelings from it, I could turn it into something sick instead of something healthy, even if it was something good. It's really hard to turn this faith into something sick. The only thing that would be borderline sick would be that I would sit in the Word all day long, every day, and all I would want to do is study because I get off on it, and it really makes me feel good, and I really love it, that if I would study the Kitbay and the Hebrew and, and, and the you know deep Aramaic ancient writings, if I really went deep and I blew off my wife and I wasn't intimate with her anymore, we didn't have any conversation, and I, I justified in my brain, I somehow said, you know, well, but I'm studying, and this is the most important thing. And all of a sudden, I'm not loving her the right way, the way that the kid is telling me I'm supposed to love her. Then that becomes sick. And it can happen to me. I can get so in the zone, and I can just say, well, she doesn't understand. And I can say all my love relationships with my brothers and sisters, well, they just don't get it. It's me and Abba Yah, and that's it. He's my first love. Don't you get it? You could all take a hike. I don't care about you. And I can blow the whole love doctrine out of the water and become extremely sick because I fall so in love with Abba Yah that I miss what Abba Yah is trying to express through me, which is to be like him. On the other hand, I can be so codependent and so sick in my relationships with people that I can focus all my time and energy with them and not focus it on Abba Yah, and then I'm what? Then I'm completely out of balance in the whole realm of love because he's the source, and if I don't have him first, now I'm going to fall short as a husband or as a best friend, as a brother, as a uh, shaliak, I'm not going to be able to perform in the direct capacity of leadership in my home or anywhere else if I don't have that first love in place. But there's a thing called balance. And unfortunately, I think the majority of people 
they don't have that balance even close because they don't want to take the time to study. Somewhere along the line, they got some kind of stronghold in their brain that told them they didn't like to read, they didn't like to research, they didn't like to dig, they didn't like to pray, and then they just got this attitude, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. I don't want it. And that immaturity in Ruach has cost them a lot. A price way, way too high that I would never want to pay. And the same thing can happen in the workaholic realm. And, you know, in the list that I shared last night, I actually did not have, I don't think I had workaholic in there. Maybe I did. I'll have to look back on it. But that would be another big one for me. That you get so high. I mean, I, I can't tell you how high I was in the truck talking to a marketing manager in my commercial real estate program of offering office space to business owners, you know, I, I was just peeking out because he actually told me things that no other manager has ever even told me. I was never even told there was a broker program. Five years. I've not had one person Show me the respect, unless it's a new thing, and I was misunderstanding, but he said there's an actual spot where he can add my name in as a broker. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And I know that in, in fulfilling what Yah has given me as a business plan, that to be able to offer that program that we've now been a part of, we've been a product of the product for five years, we know how their system works, I can sell that. And likewise, if there's a decent enough referral program, when I'm talking to people about traveling, I've had a number of people because they, they love the lifestyle of travel that I've been able to get myself into by utilizing what is now the Hilton Grand Vacation Club system, which they bought Diamond, which I thought was the best that I've seen so far. But now it's going to become even better bringing the two of these companies together. And to refer that, is an incredible high. I believe that having conversations in relationship building with people and to be able to offer them a solution in every direction. But as Scribe so appropriately noted that Many problems, one solution. 
The principles are owned by our Abba Yah. Don't ever forget it. So no matter what these other programs are doing out there, if they're trying to use love as one of their principles, if they're trying to use self-control as one of their principles, if they're trying to use joy as one of their principles, and the list just goes on and on and on, if they're using any of that, they're using our kitve grounded, our kitve rooted program. The reason we don't want to say, and people always want to put me in this position, they want to say that I'm a leader in the Hebrew Roots movement. The reason that I don't want to accept that title any more than I want to accept a lot of these Christian titles people want to give me or a lot of these other things is because it puts me in that religious box and I just really believe that religion is a man-made thing and relationship is a Yah-made thing. And really, they say it as a cliche in Christian religions, well, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. But in reality, they, they may have some of that as a reality for themselves, but in reality, if we were to really, really look at their life, they probably don't have all too much of that correct. If you're really doing a kitve scripture system or a scripture step system, a kitve scripture step system is going to really be completely grounded into the foundation of what he gave us. It's not going to be all this other flowery, fluffy stuff. It's not going to have all the distractions. It's going to get right down to the point, right down to the nitty-gritty. There's no allowance for denial there's no allowance for, for dishonesty or lying. It's going to be truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, Yah. And that's it. You can't manipulate truth without someone who really has truth catching you in it. That's where... Scribe is going as a shaliach in the depth of his studies is he's realizing there's no BS in truth. And it feels really good to bust someone's chops with that. But if it comes at the expense of sin, then we shouldn't bust the chops too hard so there's that gentleness thing that comes in there somehow, but yet there's the tough love boldness that Abba Yah has too. So finding the balance of that is the hardest thing once the truth really sets in. Because you just want to hammer somebody. 
So the feel felt found is what I've seen as my best ministry method in this is to be able to say, hey, I know how you feel. I used to feel the same way. Or I felt the same way. But here's what I found. Since I've gone deeper in the Word, and I've really started to study the ancient Hebrew, the Paleo-Hebrew, the, the Aramaic, you know, really going into the ancient text, and then really soaking all of that studying in the Ruach, in the prayers of, of righteousness, he's really revealed a lot to me. And this is what I found. And, and, and you know, it, it's that feel, that felt, that found that I believe is my connector with the world out there. Because I may be three mountaintops ahead of the world, and they're, like, trying to figure out where the, what the heck planet is this guy from. He is, like, so far different, so far beyond my pastor. Why doesn't my pastor teach me this stuff? And you know what, George McFly? That is an excellent question. Because that was the question that I asked myself once the revelation started coming in. I was like, why didn't they ever teach me about speaking in tongues? Well, because the Protestant church doesn't do that, do they? Protestant church ain't going to do it. Because most of your Protestant churches are not tongue-talking churches. So that whole Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, all of that whole miraculous experience that is supposed to be the foundation of the Galal Talmudim, it's lost. It's lost in religion and the only way to find it is to break through into relationship. Because the only way that I've found that you're ever going to receive the signs, the wonders, the miracles, to get completely intoxicated, filled with Ruach, to overflowing like they did, it only can come with intimacy. So intimacy is a hard thing to teach people which is why we're in this morning session that we do every day we start our day with Yahweh, because this is where the intimacy happens. You develop this muscle of intimacy by doing. That's the only way it's going to happen. And where you go in the 27 minutes is probably the most important thing. Do you go ahead and, and get on your computer and start paying bills and start working during the 27 minutes? Do you go ahead and have a conversation with your wife at that time or, 
or do you make a phone call and and start doing business appointments because oh I got to, I got a twenty seven minute break. No, it's not a twenty seven minute break. That's a twenty seven minute planned exercise to help you to learn how to pray by yourself to create intimacy between you, actually not by yourself, but with Abaya, right? The one you're supposed to be praying to. The one that's supposed to be praying into you, speaking into you, talking back and forth, the communication, uh, a speaking and a listening. The praying, remember, just the praying in, in and of itself is you talking to him. But the listening or the meditation on him is what is 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 coming back to you from Shamaim. And Abba Yah wants to talk to you and he wants you to be a captive listener. And if you are, he will set you as a captive that's been, you know, in the other prison free. You want to become a slave to him. You've been a slave to sin. You want to become a slave to him and that can happen in that miraculous experience of prayer and meditation. I cannot challenge you enough that in this realm of reality that we're talking about, as him to be the solution, he will, he will never be the complete solution for you until you develop the intimacy. It'll be a theory, and it won't be a fact until the intimacy muscle is developed. There's no getting around it. I cannot save you. I cannot fix you. I cannot deliver you. I cannot heal you. Any of the things that happens that I am called as hands and feet to do, it's still him doing it. I'm just submitted and committed to being a vessel of honor that he can use and that he can trust. He can trust me that I'm going to do what he asks me to do. He tried to trust Shaul or Saul as the first king of Israel, and he found out he couldn't trust him, that he was not trustworthy. So then he went to David because of David's heart. And even in trusting David, David still fell short, but David worked through it as if he was under the Yeshua covenant before the Yeshua covenant even existed. And that's the power of David, if you want to really get it, is he acted the way that we're supposed to be acting because we've got the better covenant. We've got the greatest covenant of all of the seven covenants. Don't kid yourself. You are in the best time you could ever be in. You would have not wanted to be under the first covenant or the second covenant or the third covenant. You wouldn't have wanted to be in those. 
You want to be in the one that you're in, and you should appreciate it. You should respect it. You should be excited about it. You should embrace it, and you should make a commitment to it. You should get in a love cove because that is your solution. When you're committed to the love cove, sold out, absolutely sold out, then there's no turning back. There's nothing greater. You want to become completely sold out. And I love the song, Sold Out. The only thing I would encourage you to do is take out the word Jesus. He says it, I think, three times in the whole song. Take out the word Jesus and put in Yeshua. But other than that, the poetry is excellent. Because none of you realize the power of this message. You don't get it until this principle of being sold out happens. Once that happens, it's a done deal. You are now actualizing, realizing, with no compromising, that being sold out to this covenant, being 110% committed to this covenant, not, oh, yeah, I got a marriage covenant, but I cheat on my wife once in a while. The whole concept of spiritual adultery is all the way from the beginning to the end of this book. It never stops. It's ongoing. We do not want to be guilty of spiritual adultery. No way. You want to be pure and clear in this relationship with him to know, to show him, show him in your intimacy in that 27 minutes and throughout the entire day that this is not a game. This is not a show. This is the real deal. This is your life. It's not a dress rehearsal. Sell out today. Make the decision. I'm selling out. I'm sick of being this lukewarm, poke it with a stick kind of guy. I'm going all the way, 110%. I'm going to see if I just had faith to move mountains, if the mountains really would move, if all of a sudden I would be a highly honored person in every area of my life. I mean, all businesses is to show the whole world how faithful you are because you followed the principles of diligence that are written within the kitve. If you want to be a highly advanced worker at a job or in your own business working for yourself, which I really don't even like to see myself working for me, I work for my king. Then I'm going to go all the way with my faith. And if I do that, Everybody, the whole world will see that I am sold out and they are going to be inspired by that fire. It inspires the fires 
of people when you're sold out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Hallelujah. Be sold out. 110%. Rock 
thanks be to Abba Yah for the work that he's done in that man's life and continues to do. I am grateful to call him friend. Achi. And Shalayach. And this word has spoken to you. If what you heard on Praise, Prayer, Decree, and Declare this morning or other areas of love for truth, transform 2.0, and you feel you're being fed, then I would encourage you to make the short trip to give.yahweh.love and test Yah in his faithfulness. Because he says that if we will keep his storehouses full, that he'll fill ours. That's not why we should do it. That's not how we, we should do it with a grateful heart. But he does say the teacher is worth double pay. Now, while this wasn't the most eloquent of offerings taken this morning, I apologize for that. It's necessary. Because we here at Love Live Ruach Remnant Reality Radio, we don't have the bank accounts like many others do. We work for what we have in ministry. We don't expect it to come from your organization. The love gifts that support us go right out to the streets, to the hurting homeless and helpless among us. True religion, it says in James, is taking care of the widows and the orphans. So don't give it to love for truth. Know that we will give it to the widows and the orphans, so ultimately you are giving it to the orphans and the widows. Because they're the ones that are going to be ignored. The forgotten man is the one that's going to be ignored in most cases. It's those who we desire to reach. So again, you can do that by going to give.yahweh.love or mailing a check or money order with a, with a letter. Let us know who you are. We are interested. We want to know. We want to be able to love on you. We want to be able to share with you. We want to include you as part of the Mishpaka, but that's your choice. If you're here, you've obviously ran into us somewhere. Abayaz had a word for you somewhere along the line. So let us know what's going on in your life. Send us a letter. Find us on Facebook, find us on social media. Whatever offering you can throw out there, whether it's to a full tie, the widow's might, or over and above, whatever the Ruach puts on your heart, go ahead and send something to Love, Inc., P.O. Box 68138, Phoenix, Arizona, 85082. Or you can text 77777 to 44321. 
and know that Abaya loves a cheerful giver. And that he or she who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he or she who sows generously will reap generously. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could pull together a body of believers that stepped out in faith enough to be able to confidently and comfortably live on 10% of their income? Knowing that regardless of what we do, if we give, we can never keep up with what he's already given and what he promises to continue to give. To continue to build our faith. So hallelujah. Abi, in the name of Yeshua, we just thank you again for the messages today. We thank you for drawing us together in the morning to come to know you. Abba, we ask that you draw us back together again tonight at 10.07 Eastern, 9.07 Central, 7.07 Mountain, and 6.07 Pacific for RIP 2.0 Ruach Reflections. This is Shalak Scribe, president of Emulators MC, Motorcycle Congregation, just in case any one percenters out there are listening and want to get offended, don't bother. You're not fighting against us. You're fighting against the Creator. That having been said, Yaberachot, you throughout the day, go out and be a barukata to somebody else. We will see you later this evening and remember to include Yah in everything you do. Hallelujah. Have a great one.